thank you, Father, that you've given us authority. We tread upon scorpions, serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing shall by any means harm us. Thank you, Father, that we can come into your presence tonight. In your presence is victory. In your presence is freedom. In your presence is fullness of joy. Thank you, Father, for this privilege and this opportunity. In the precious name of Jesus, hallelujah. Let's just lift up uh, Zandra's mom tonight. I went down to see her. She's in the hospital down at um, Iowa Lutheran. And uh, she's in an induced coma. She's got pneumonia. And uh, we're just believing that she's going to have a full recovery in Jesus' name. And so, Father, we thank you for the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that by the stripes of Jesus, we have been healed. We pray for Zondra's mom right now. Father, we continue to stand upon your word that declares that she is the healed of the Lord. And so we thank you for that healing power that continues to flow through her body. And so, Father, we expect a good report. We expect her to rise up off of that bed of affliction. Father, we declare that she'll live and not die. And so, Father, we thank you for the, the authority that we have, the power in agreement. And we use that right now in Jesus' name. And so then, Father, we just ask you to bless this evening that everything that's said and done will bring you glory and honor. And we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> you know, I, I share all these little stories and... Uh, um, Sometimes I, I, I wonder if you get to the point to where you begin to question as to whether or not there are things that actually happen or if I'm just telling you good little stories. And, you know, and, and uh, for years I, I made reference to uh, uh, one of the first books I read after I got saved um, by Larry Christensen, and the title of the book was um, Back to Square One. And I'd make some statements from it and so forth. Well, one day uh, um, Jody um, looked it up and found it online and it was a used copy, but she got me a copy of Back to Square One. So if you don't believe that that book exists, you can come into my office and I can show it to you. I was going to bring it out tonight and I forgot. <clears throat> but <clears throat> a couple of weeks ago, I, I shared... Uh, an account of when we were living in Missouri, going to Bible school down there, and uh, we went to a Kenneth Copeland meeting uh, in St. Louis, and uh, how this lady was healed, and later on we saw her on TV out in Anaheim, California, and so forth. Well, Sean found it on, uh, on YouTube, and so I just, I just thought it would be a real blessing uh, for you to be able to see it tonight. 1980, that's when it was. That, that's about right. Praise the Lord. So you ready? Okay. In that name. Turn the volume up good. I'm just a baby Christian, so I'm just learning now. Jesus. 
Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to go inside the Lord and stay here. Huh? I'm going to go inside the Lord and stay here. Okay, what are you going to do right now? I'm going to pray for God and be my soul and help you with my body. What else? What do you want? What do you want from God? I want His hands on my heart and on my body. Feel me. I don't know what you really come up here for, wasn't it? To get healed. Well, don't be embarrassed about it. Is that what you're going to do, is get healed? Is that what you're going to do? Well, then give it in the name of Jesus. See, that's all God was looking for, was just a commitment. All he wanted you to say, just say yes. <laughs> I got some news for you. You got it. I know when that power leaves me. You got it. Now you walk off of here a new woman. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank God. In that name. In that name.
for this. So, uh, is, did you see the balcony up there? I was, I was right up there when that took place. So, so it was uh, pretty. Turn me down for a minute. Glory to God. Well, now you got to listen to me. Praise the Lord. Well, we've been talking about the believer's authority, and uh, the title of this is No New Testament Model. And uh, the reason that that's the title is what we began talking about last week and what we're talking about to some extent again this week is, um, well, it's a combination of two things, the spiritual warfare and of intercessory prayer. And one of the things that we see is what we see taking place or have seen take place over years through the charismatic renewal and so forth, um, the way that it's been practiced and done, you can't find a New Testament model for it. And I believe that a lot of it, especially when you get into what we used to look at as spiritual warfare and so forth, uh, the reason that there was no model for it was because that's not how it's to be done. The reason for it is we were trying to accomplish something that had already been accomplished. We're trying to defeat a foe that has already been defeated. Satan is a defeated foe. Now he has influence and so forth, but when we recognize that he's been defeated, he, can't, he doesn't have any authority over us, that's when we can really begin to, uh, begin to walk in the victory. And so, um, it's in your notes, <clears throat> Roman numeral one says, warfare we face today is the enforcing of God's victory. You know, when you go into battle, you know, when... Anyway, when, what you're supposed to do when you go into battle, when you gain ground, you're, you're, to, you're to maintain that ground. You're to enforce the victory that you have there rather than relinquish it once again. And really, that's what we're doing in the spiritual battle that we're in. We're maintaining or we're enforcing what Jesus has already accomplished for us. And so what we're doing is we're always coming, or we always, we, we, we always approach our battles from a position of victory. 
not trying to get the victory. We, we approach it from the position of victory because this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And what is our faith? Our faith in that which is complete in Christ Jesus. And so we always come from that, that position of, of victory. Um, in Ephesians, the sixth chapter and the 11th verse, you know, I taught this on Monday night to the prisoners and I backed up and I never did get any place else, hardly, I don't think. <clears throat> but um, in verse 11 it says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand. Why do we, why do we put it on? So that we can stand. You know, it isn't so that we can... <laughs> it isn't that we don't do battle because we do, do battle. But it isn't the battle that we do to defeat the enemy, it's so that we stand. Why do we put on the armor of God so we can stand? And when we've done all to stand, we stand therefore. How do we stand? We stand in a position, in a stance of victory because of what Jesus has done for us. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the, the, the attempts, the, the lies of the devil. Because they're, 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 they're a bunch of lies that he wants to bring against us. He wants to convince us that the lie is truth. You know, what is it that Dr. Cole I said about sin? Sin pr promises to reward and satisfy, but what does it do? It always leads you into greater bondage. And that's what the enemy's lie is. He says it's going to make us happy, it's going to set us free, it's going to do this, that, or the other, but it never does. It always leads us deeper and deeper into into bondage. And you know what's ironic? You know, I, <clears throat> I remember we were in, uh, when we were in Wapaka in the church there. Um, you know, it's an interesting thing. In the earlier days of my ministry, now don't misunderstand me, I believe in demonic forces out there. You know, I, I believe in the power of deliverance and so on and so forth. But uh, it's just like the video that we locked. Did, did you hear what, what Brother Copeland was saying uh, in, in the background as she was trying to get her balance and so forth? He was commanding him, the enemy, to loose her. But he wasn't coming from a, from a, a position of trying to get something. It was from a position of what she already has. And... <clears throat> And it was interesting, in our early days of, of ministries, we, we had a lot of, we had a lot of demonic activity, manifestations in the church and so forth. I mean, um, you know, one of Pastor Becky's biggest complaints was every time we had a family gathering on Sunday, uh, something would always happen. And, you know, we were supposed to go over to Manning to have lunch with her family and so forth. And so I had announced, uh, th this is when we were filling the Civic Center around the pool table and everything. But we're, we're still up there. And, and, and so we're going we're gonna, to, I told her, we'll, we'll, we'll get there on time tonight, today. We'll get there on time. As soon as the surface is over, as soon as this, the amen, we're out the door. And we're in the car, and we're on our way to Manning, and we'll get there on time. 
And so I closed the service. And, uh, and, I, and I signed the elders to do the, the ministry and so forth. And as we're just approaching the street, I hear this screaming coming out of the church. And I stopped and I looked at Becky and she said, oh, go get it. <laughs> so I went back in and they're, they're gathered around this woman, you know, trying to, well, they're casting the devil out of her and so forth. And so I just walked in and I knelt down in front of her and said, in Jesus' name, you're free. And I left. Anyway, she was free. You know, but the point is, it seemed like it was, it happened a lot. And then I began to realize something. I think the first time I recognized it was before I came here, but it became a reality. This individual called us out to their place because they were having um, these demonic influences that were manifesting on their farm. And so, you know, we went out there to uh, cast it out, whatever. And so we get out there and we're, we're in this circle in the house and we start praying and, and I'm listening to everybody praying and I'm just, oh my God. I just, my, my, my innards was just churning. And I finally said, I'm not going to stand here and entertain the devil any longer. And I walked outside and I, I just commanded him to be gone. And as far as I know, that was the last manifestation that they had in their life. Well, that was an eye-opener to me. I think a lot of what we did was we entertained the devil. And the thing about it is, once we began to understand the authority, and that's why this teaching is so important, once we began to understand the authority that we carry in the name of Jesus, all at once, they don't like to hang around us any longer. They don't show up like they once do because they know that if they show up, we, have, we know we have the authority to cast them out, to deal with them. And so they go elsewhere, poor other places that have to deal with it. But we don't because we recognize the authority that we have in the name of Jesus. Why? Because we realize that we come from a position of victory because the devil is already defeated. That's why sickness and disease, we come from the position of authority or the position of victory. We're not trying to get healed. We recognize that we are healed by the blood of Jesus. And so we just simply speak into that situation what Jesus has already done, what he's already accomplished for us. And so in any of those areas, that's what we need to recognize, where we come from. Look at, let's look at 2 Corinthians because this is where we really get uh, confused. Is <clears throat> We think... The battle is with all of this stuff that we have to deal with in life. You know, the battle's with me. You know, the Bible says that we deal with the world, the flesh, and the devil. Jesus defeated the devil. Whooped him. Said it made an open display, made a spectacle of him. Openly showed his defeat. It says, we already quoted from, um, from Corinth, or John, 1 John, where it says, this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. 
And so because of what Jesus has done for us, we have already overcome the world. You say, well, pastor, it doesn't look like we're doing too well in this world. <clears throat> That's only if you let the world in you. We've overcome <coughs> the world that wants to dominate us. Now, if we <clears throat> yield to the world and allow the world to have its way in our life, that's where we're going to get beat around. But we've overcome the world through faith in what Jesus has already done for us. But then it says concerning the flesh, the world, the flesh, and the devil, the flesh, <clears throat> that's me. That flesh is going to be here until I stop sucking air. And so that means I've got to deal, <laughs> I got to deal with me till I die. Now, <clears throat> I, I'm dead in Christ, but yet I'm still living in this physical body, and that's how the enemy wants to influence me, is through this physical body. And when I begin to yield to him, I allow him to do so. But see, we're oftentimes trying to deal with the physical stuff rather than dealing with the real issue, which we find in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. And uh, <clears throat> we'll start in the third verse. And it says, For though I walk in the flesh. And again, we're, we're walking in the flesh. You know, that's why demons want to possess a human being. It's so that they can have a means of expression. They don't have a means of expression, except they have an, an, a human being that they can operate through. Our spirit, the moment that this body of mine ceases to live, I will immediately be in the presence of God. But this, this body will no longer have, uh, or, or excuse me, my spirit will no longer have a means to express itself here in the earth until we come back with our new bodies and reign for a thousand years and then we just hang out for billions of years. You know, but, uh, but it says, for though I walk in the flesh, I do not war according to the flesh. What does that mean? That means I'm not going to win it in the physical. I'm going to win it. I'm going to, I win the battle. I maintain the victory in the spiritual realm, in the spiritual realm, not in the physical. For though I walk in the flesh, I do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for pulling down strongholds. And you see, we were, we were constantly battling these strongholds. Now I believe there is spiritual strongholds and so forth, but, but that was our life. We were battling the strongholds over family lives. We were battling the strongholds over cities, over nations. And there are, there, there is an element of stronghold there. But that's not what this verse is talking about. This verse is saying, 
For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God, for the pulling down of strongholds. But then it begins to reveal to us what those strongholds are. Casting down arguments. You know, <clears throat> I, I read a study on this one time. You ever, you ever run into an argumentative person and it just seems like you can't get anywhere with them? Do you know why that is? Because you can't get anywhere with them. And in this study it said physically, when a person gets that argumentative attitude, there's, I don't know what they were, endorphins or something that are released in the brain. And it says it's just like, even though they're hearing you, it doesn't register. In other words, it goes right over their head. They don't hear it. And so <clears throat> that's a stronghold. You know, and so that's why having an argumentative spirit or arguing with people doesn't, doesn't solve anything. You know, there's, there's certain individuals, what they think we ought to do concerning certain principles and so forth in the Word of God, that we ought to all sit down in panels and discuss and argue those things and, and come to a conclusion. That is so anti-Bible, anti-God, because it's argumentative. How do you come to a conclusion? By faith accepting what the Word of God says. How do you argue with somebody concerning the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Because I want to tell you something. Somebody that's read the Bible, and they have come to the conclusion that the baptism of the Holy Spirit and manifestations of tongues is not for today. They have developed a stronghold in their mind. And the only way that they're going to be set free from that is for them to accept what the Word of God says over what their opinion is. And we can go right down the line with all these things. Of course, you know, I'm right about everything. You know, and so we, we know that. But, but, but it's, it's, it's what the Word says. There's people that say, that say that healing is not for today. Have they read their Bible? Well, yes, they have. But because they've been fed certain things and they've accepted it, when they read, by the stripes of Jesus, I've been healed, boom, it goes right over their head. Because there is an argumentative spirit there that has to be cast down before they're ever going to be able to receive the truth. But you know, I don't know about you, when I got saved, I had to make a decision that I was going to cast down those strongholds in my life. You know, when, 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 I, got, when I got saved, um, I was out of my Lutheran church. We still believed in infant baptism. Uh, we had, you know, most of the people that I hung out with at that time were, were, were Pentecostals and, and Baptists. And guess what? They didn't believe in infant baptism. They kept trying to shove it down my throat that you needed to be baptized as an adult. But you know what? <clears throat> I went right back to my catechism passages and, and everything else, and, and they, they weren't going to convince me. But you know what? I'm, a, I'm an immersion after conversion guy now. Why is that? It wasn't because I argued with somebody. It was because I opened up the Word of God and said, Father, I want to know the truth. And according to the Word of God, I am convinced that it's immersion through conversion. Now, I'll baptize an infant if somebody really, 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 really wants me to. But in my eyes, it's a wet dedication. I'll sprinkle a little water. You know, I'll, 
I'll sprinkle grape juice on you if you want it. You know, I, I mean, I don't care as long as they're, they're getting dedicated. I mean, that, that's the point. But, it, but we have to be open to that. And you know what? There's a lot of people that aren't. And that's what this is talking about. That's, that's the spiritual warfare that we're dealing with. And the number one individual that I had to deal with was me because of the strongholds that were built in my life because of the things that I had heard over the years. You know, that healing wasn't for today. That, that <clears throat> um, uh, poverty and, and holiness were synonymous with one another. Well, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. But you know what? There's a point in time where I believed it. I believed it. Why? Because that's what I was taught. And so we've got to get into the Word of God, and that's why the Word is so important. So um, cast down arguments and every hot thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. See, when we're arguing with one another, we're not in a position to um, put down those things that we've exalted against the knowledge of God. Because we're there for one point. When we're arguing, we're there for one reason. To prove I'm right. Amen. And so we do that over and over again. But we need to yield to the Holy Spirit. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought captive in the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience. Anyway, we can stop there. But bringing our thoughts in line with Christ, that's the battle. That's the battlefield. And we have all these arguments, all these reasons why it isn't going to work. You know, and, and, and generally, it's because um, we don't want to hear it. Because we want to continue going the direction that we've gone because it's comfortable. And so we want to blame it on the devil. We want to say it's his fault that these things happen to us. Because if we can do that, then to a certain degree, we don't have to accept responsibility for it. Because he's the one that did it. You know, I was listening to a little bit of John Hagee this morning, and he was talking about, he talked about this comedian, you know, who, who, who yes, used to, you know, say the devil made me do it. And of course, you know, uh, he said something about, you know, how many remember that? And, you know, he said, oh, all the white-haired people remember that. And I guess I gave myself away because I remember who it was. It was Flip Wilson. They used to say, see, Donna and Bill remembered it too. You know, <clears throat> But he'd say, the devil made me do it. And, it, and, it, and he did it in a, in a humorous way, but it was, there, there was an element of truth in it. You know, the, the thing about true comedy is there always has to be a degree of truth to it, otherwise it really isn't, isn't funny. But the, the truth is in it was because that's what people would do. This, I did this or this happened because the devil made me do it or the devil did it in my life. Well, we come from the position of victory. He can't make me do anything. 
He can encourage me. He can make it look appealing. But he can't make me do anything. I have to be willing to cooperate with him. In the same way that I have to switch my allegiance and be willing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. In the world, that's what they're doing. They're cooperating with the enemy, with the devil. And that's how he's able to influence them and get them to do things that anybody in their right mind would not do. People say, oh, you Christians, you're just, you're crazy. No, we finally got sane. Think back to some of the things you did before Christ. That was insane. We finally got our, our sanity. I mean, it's insane to pump poison through your veins. But people do it all the time. I visited a room full of guys every Monday night that have pumped poison through their veins. That's beyond ignorance. That is insane. And even after they recognize what it's doing to them, they continue to do it. Why? Because it's become a stronghold in their mind and they're unwilling to examine and see the new direction that they're supposed to take and that we can take, which is going to lead to victory. Let's look at some scripture that's in your notes. In Romans the 8th chapter in the 6th verse, it says, for to be carnally minded, that means that if our, our mind is ruled by this world, by the flesh, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know what? As long as we try to, as long as we try to do it in our flesh, it doesn't matter how righteous it may appear to be, there, 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 there'll never be any peace there. There won't be any peace there. You know, that's why trying to live according to rules and regulations never worked. There was no peace there. At certain points, there was a sense of accomplishment, but there was never any peace to it. And the reason that there was no peace to it was because if I've got to do it, how do I know when I've done enough? You'll never have that assurance because you can never do enough. Because Jesus has already done it all. And so he can never measure up. But you know, when we, when we get to the place and we recognize that Jesus has done it all and I no longer have to strive and battle in the flesh, it puts me in a position where I can begin to yield. I can yield to him. You know, because he really wants to lead us. And the Bible says that he'll lead us into all truth. And that's where he wants to take us. He wants to take us into all truth. Where the world leads us, <clears throat> it, it tells us it's truth, but it ultimately leads to death and destruction. And I'm not necessarily talking about physical death. That's the ultimate end of it. But it does lead to, to death in our life. You know, <clears throat> to, to just simply gain prosperity through the natural will eventually lead to death. You may have a million bucks in the bank, but you don't have anything else going for you because you don't have any peace. You know, I, I, I look at these, these athletes that have everything. 
I mean, they've got these physical bodies that are marvelous, that, are, that can do things that physical bodies ought not to be able to do. You know, they have, you know, the, the girls hanging from their arms. They have, they have the, the cars that most men's mouths drool over. They have the homes that most women drool over. They, they've, they've got it. And then we hear the report of how they are on probation or whatever because they were using drugs. Why? Because they have no peace. Because they had no peace because they're doing it just simply in the flesh. It's leading to death. Even though they ought to have the most marvelous, wonderful life that any physical human being could ever have, they don't have that. It's leading to death and they have no peace in their life. You know, we, we may not have the <laughs> millions in the banks. May not, just get, get that. <clears throat> we may not have the millions in the bank. But we have our confidence and we have our trust in him. And because we have that, it's producing life. You know, I just, I just thought it was so interesting, not on the game on Monday night, but on, uh, on Saturday night after the um, second game at the Final Four. You know, the, all the cameras were in the Texas Tech locker room because Texas Tech was never supposed to get this far and, and, and all this this stuff, and they're just waiting because they just know there's going to be this wild celebration in, in the locker room. And so they're waiting, and they're waiting. I think that's the only reason uh, CBS continued to telecast, uh, you know, uh, a semifinal game was because, or the, because they wanted to get this shot. And the coach comes into the locker room, everybody kind of gives a yay, and he says, let's pray. And everybody kneels down and the cameras leave. Did not, not, did not utter one word of his prayer on, on camera. That's the world that we live in. But see, that's where our success is going to come from when we recognize, yes, I have this, these gifts and I have these talents, but it isn't about me. It's about what, what Jesus has done in my life. You see, <clears throat> we're We're gifted. Every one of you, we're gifted. We're supposed to be gifted. We're supposed to be the ones that achieve and thrive and, and, and gain, whether it be financially or, or notoriety, or that wasn't even a word, but it works. You know, any of those things. We're, we're supposed to have that. But it isn't that we just gain it in the flesh. It's that we keep our focus on Jesus because then it's going to lead to life. And it's going to lead, to lead to peace. Proverbs 23, 7, we're all familiar with this. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. How do you think? How do we think? You know, if, if we think worldly, that's how we're going to be. The world is just going to have a, have a pull on us. It's going to draw us from every direction. But you know what? If our mind is stayed on him, on God, that's the direction that we're going to go. What are we focusing on? 
That's what's going to determine because that's where the battle is. See, the battle is for our mind is determined by what we put in it. Whether it's the things of the world or whether it's the word of God and the things of the spirit. That's what's going to determine. Isaiah 26, 3, it says, you will keep him. Notice, he will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. How do we get to the point where we truly trust God? Because we put our mind on him. And our mind stays on him because we have his peace. And why do we have his peace? Because we've spent time with him. If we don't spend time with him, we're not going to have, his, have peace. If we don't have peace, our mind isn't going to be focused on him. It's going to be focused on, on everything else. But we need to focus on him. And then we get to that place where we truly trust him. When we trust him, no matter what the circumstances are, we know that we overcome. And of course, Romans 12, 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world. We're not to be conformists. We're to be transformed by the renewing of our minds that you may, be, may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Wow. Think about that. He wants to transform our minds. It isn't us grunting and trying to, to make it happen. It's when we, we yield to him and we allow him, it's going to produce the right thing. I don't remember if it was John Hagee or if it was somebody else, but I, I just remember in just recent days listening to somebody share, it might have been Creflo, but it, <clears throat> it reminded me of some of the teaching that I'd given uh, this past week about the seed and planting the seed and making sure the, the seed is there. And he, and he used, I don't know, I think maybe he's listening to my tape because he, he used some of one of my analogies, you know, about how, you know, when, when you plant an apple seed, if the conditions are right, you put that seed in the ground and you leave it there, that seed will produce an apple tree. And when it's time for that apple tree to produce apples, and he even used my line, you don't hear that apple tree going, mm, trying to force out an apple. It, it happens because that's what apple trees do. We're Christians. We don't have to try to produce the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is what Christians produce. Well, why are there so many Christians that are not producing and why do we not see the manifestation of the fruit of the Spirit and other attributes of God? Why do we not see that in their life? Because they're feeding themselves out of the world rather than out of the things of God. Because if we feed ourselves the things of God, that's what's going to come out of us. It's going to be change. You know, <clears throat> Sean gave me that, or sent me that video and, uh, on YouTube, and you can look at it again, it's on YouTube. And, and so when I was, none of that, I looked over to the side and it, 
it showed from uh, the, um, oh, what was the name of the rival down in Florida? It went on for months. Brownsville. Brownsville. But it, it, it had a baptism from there. And, uh, um, and in the baptism, they had, they had these four young ladies. Uh, and they were, they were all from Teen Challenge. And uh, each one of them began to share their, their testimony of their past and what Jesus Christ has done in their life. And, uh, and, and what was so exciting about it is that that conversion that they had in their life, it changed everything about them. I mean, their, their faces glowed because of the anointing of God that was upon them. But it wasn't because, because they had tried everything and they couldn't get clean of drugs and alcohol or whatever their, their issue was. They, they, they struggled with it. But when they came to Jesus and they allowed Jesus into their life, everything changed for them. And it wasn't because they're mm, trying to do it. It's because of what Jesus has done. And that's what he wants to do in each and every one of us. Do not be conformed. You know, I, I, <laughs> young, young people always amaze me, you know, how they want to be their own person. And then you see them with their friends and every one of them dressed just about the same. You know, they're all, they're all conformed to the same image. You know, that's, that's what the world does to us. You know, we went to Hello Dolly last night and and there at the break, I was down at the Civic Center and I was, <clears throat> there was these four ladies in front of us and of course, as soon as there's a break, they had their phones out. You know, but, but I, I was, and, and I didn't try to. It's just how the seats are set. I could look over their shoulders and see everything. You know, they, they all had, you know, the, the, the hairdressers and they're going through and, and you know, and uh, I'm thinking, yeah, that's, 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 that's what you've got. Mm -hmm. yeah, you, the, conformity. You know, because that's the, that's the latest, that's the latest style. Well, I want to be different. No, you don't. You're looking on a phone to see what everybody else is doing. That's, that's known as conformity. If you want to be different, leave your hair the way it is. And it costs me a lot less money. Don't repeat that. <laughs> but uh, but we, we conform to the world rather than being transformed. You see, we don't have to conform to the Word of God. If we will receive the Word of God, we will be transformed into the image of Christ. It's not us trying to be the image of Christ. I've, I've seen people do that. You have too. It's just sad and pathetic. You know, they... We won't go there. You don't have to try to be like Jesus. It's like, the, like I tell the guys all the time. I say, you know, 70 years ago, I was born the son of Walt Schroeder. In 71 years of my life, 70 years of my life, I have never had to try to be Walt Schroeder's son. Do you know why? Because I was born Walt Schroeder's son. You were born again 
a Christian. As a Christian, you will never have to try to be a Christian. Why? Because you are. And because you are, and you see what that Christian life is, you know, <clears throat> people tell me, you know, at times, you know, and it really bugs me. They say, you know, you, you kind of talk like your dad, you smile like your dad, you know, stuff about your dad, and just last thing in the world I ever wanted to be was like my dad. I, I don't know about you, but, you know, and, uh, but they say, there, there you are, you're just spitting image. I didn't try to be. I guess that's what happens when you hang around that guy for all those years. Well, that's what happens when we hang around Jesus, when we hang around the Holy Spirit, when we hang around the Word of God. What happens is we're transformed into that image. And so you know what that means? That means that it takes all the work out of it. Isn't that exciting? Well, I'm excited about that. Takes all the work out of it. All I have to do is be. Be me. A child of God. I don't have to be you. And you don't have to be me. And everybody says, oh, thank you, Jesus. You know, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He wasn't saying, be like me, but be like the Christ in me. Imitate the Christ in me. Follow the leading of the Christ in me. And so that's what we, that's what we do. We follow his example. Neither Peter, Jesus, nor Paul ever gathered people together to do spiritual warfare. Isn't that interesting? Never, never once do you find, you know, people say, well, you know, uh, when, when Peter was in prison, they prayed. Yeah, they did. And they were shocked when he got out. <laughs> <clears throat> kind of like a lot of our prayer meetings. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. But it's the truth. You know, I, I remember sitting in my office, you know, looking, going through the Des Moines Register, looking for a plumbing job, thinking, I don't need this. And then I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, why didn't I just become a pastor of the church that I grew up in? We prayed for people, but we really didn't expect anything to happen. It's the truth. And I think a lot of people, they, they go to prayer meetings, and, and, but they really don't expect anything to happen. I don't know about you. When I pray for people, I expect something to happen. I went down to Iowa Lutheran today to pray for Zandra's mother. I mean, I was already praying for her, but I wanted to lay hands on her because I expect that when I pray for something, something's going to happen. Otherwise, why bother? Well, you always get what you pray for. No, I wish I did, but I don't. But you know what? I expect, I always expect. Because how can we pray in faith if we don't have any expectors out there? And so we don't find, and this is a point that I was really supposed to get to today. You can study it for yourself. It's in your notes. 
But we, we, we see that they never, they never got together to do spiritual warfare. I think what's interesting is Jesus. When we see the accounts of Jesus praying, he always got off by himself. We talked about that on Sunday. He got off by himself. And what did he do? He fellowshiped with the Father. I believe if we want to have our minds renewed to the point that we truly fulfill what we're talking about here, having done all to stand, we stand therefore. One of the root, roots behind that is what Jesus did, how he fellowshiped with the Father. Well, you know, Jesus was different. He was the Son of God. Well, you got to remember the Bible says Jesus set aside his deity when he came in the form of man and he walked on the earth in his earthly ministry. He, he did it as a man, not as God. And that's why Jesus' ministry never really began until after uh, he was baptized and he received um, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We can call it whatever we want, but that's what it was. He was baptized in water. The Holy Spirit came upon him, and, and he received the Spirit at that time. And so I believe that Jesus' ministry really began because of the power of the Holy Spirit that was manifest in his life. And so the Bible says that Jesus was tempted in all things as you and I, yet without sin. Think about that. He was tempted. But he resisted the temptation. See, we need to understand this. It's not a sin to be tempted. To be tempted means that you're alive. And so as long as we live, we will be tempted. Yielding to the temptation, that's where sin comes in. Jesus was tempted, but he never yielded to the temptation. And so he was our pattern, the one that we follow. So temptation is going to come our way. But guess what? Just like Jesus, we can resist it. Doesn't mean it's easy. Just means that we can do it. And we're not doing it alone. We're doing it under the influence, under the help of the Holy Spirit because he is our helper. And he's come to help. Help us overcome. Well, I left you some stuff to study on your own. Praise the Lord. And so uh, have a blessed evening. And so, Father, we just thank you for the victory that is ours in Christ Jesus. And we give you all the glory and the thanks for it. In the wonderful name of Jesus, amen.